When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mutation, it is the key to our evolution. It has enabled us to evolve from a single-celled organism into the dominant species on the planet. This process is slow, normally taking thousands and thousands of years. But every few hundred millennia, evolution leaps forward. Welcome to Fury's Finest, a podcast devoted to the discussion of Marvel Crisis Protocol. My name is Jesse Aiken, and I am joined once again by my co-host and good friend Chris Bruffett in the flesh once again. This is a privilege. We don't get to do this. We only get to do a couple episodes like this, and so we're really going to enjoy it when we get to do it. It's really fun. It's been great being over here and hanging out. It's holiday, man. I'm really excited to uh, record this episode, too. I am too. So we have a big episode for you guys today. And Chris and I have had a lot of discussions about this episode for a long time because it's a favorite character of ours. So before this character was announced for the game, we had discussions about how excited we were to do this episode, also how we we're going to approach it. So we're going to do our very best to condense this character down into a very digestible and concise format. And that's, of course, James Logan Howlett Wolverine. But before we get to that, we're going to talk about some news. So we hope you guys enjoyed our last episode. Chris and I made a really executive and I think correct decision, Chris, to talk about all the Disney Plus news in a separate episode than the show because we knew there was a lot to say. We actually held back a lot, if you believe that. We're really good at talking. <laughs> we really are. We hope you guys enjoyed that long form discussion about all the show announcements. You know, every day we grow closer and closer to WandaVision, this launching off. So when that happens, we'll talk about it on the show. But if you haven't heard our thoughts on all the Disney Plus 10 plus show announcements coming to Marvel, check out that last episode. I think it's worth your time. Chris, I'm really excited about these side episodes we've been doing. Like a lot of you reached out and told me you really enjoyed and learned a lot from Omnis and I's deep dive into making a X-Men list from the ground up with nothing. Oh, that was a very good episode. Yeah. It was a complicated episode to make, and I really appreciate Charles' time. He devoted a lot of time with me to do that. Omnis whips, man. Omnis whips. We know that. Everything Omnis does is OP, and you can take that to him. Definitely subscribe to his show. And of course, we talked about in our Beast episode a lot of a lot of things, Chris. We had a lot to talk about us joining the Across the Bifrost Nexus, which I think is a wonderful thing. Definitely check out acrossthebifrost.com. If you go there every day, there's always a new podcast, blog article, video. If you haven't checked it out yet, check it out. And there's just so much going on in MCP and so much going on with our show and so many things we want to work on in the future. So we're just excited you guys join us during this time. And bear with us, it's the holidays, you know, we're still releasing a lot of content, but you know, it's not the same day every time because uh, my life's crazy right now too, Chris, because of holiday things, you know, sleep regressions when you have an infant, you know, sometimes they sleep less and you get less time to edit. So that's just the truth of things right now. And of course, back to the MCP news, we finally got She-Hulk's full card. We got that before last episode but we wanted to talk about it in this week's episode with like the news format before we actually get into our Logan content today. So She-Hulk, we talked about 
in our beast episode how excited we were for her. But now we have her stats, Chris. She's 20 stamina. She only has one side. She doesn't get days. She just dies like Hulk. Medium move, height of three, threat cost of six, and defenses three physical, four energy, three mystic. Not bad. And then a couple things about her. She has two physical attacks. One's a seven dice strike, which seems really good. And another one's a nine dice big spender attack where she gives people slow and stun. And if they already have a slower stun, she gives them stagger. And it's called the defense rest. It's nice. She's going to be awesome. She's going to be a force on the table. That's right. I'm very excited to play her. I think that they did a great job of matching her powers, her lore, her themes with all the text on her card. As much as they could, of course, outside of technical text. But really cool. I'm excited about it. One, Chris and I, of course, are going to do a deep dive episode on her. So we don't want to spend too much time here. But I think what's worth mentioning, Chris, you know, she has a great throw. She has a way to deal with Modoc, what we talked in the past. She can spin power to add the size of a character to one of her attacks. You know, she's got bodyguard. She's got some cool stuff. But most importantly... She's the leader of the A-Force, which we mentioned in our Beast episode, but I don't think we dove in deep enough there, and I really want to talk about it. So the first thing is we know the Defenders of Arcadia ability now. It's when an allied character is damaged by an enemy effect. So that's an attack, a throw, some sort of effect that deals damage. Another allied character may gain one power. A character may not gain more than one power from this leadership ability per turn. So basically what this is, Chris, is you know how the Cabal, when they deal damage, they get extra power. This is the reverse of the Cabal. When your teammates take damage, other members of your team gain power. This is a really cool like defensive flip of the Cabal ability. I think it's really neat. And the most important thing to talk about, Chris, and I regret we did talk about it in our Beast episode, but there was so much to talk about. That was a really robust episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. But the Defenders of Arcadia... This is an all-female team in MCP. This is huge for representation. I'm just thinking of like new players coming to the game, wanting to play an all-female team. We don't have the list of who's on this team, but we know members that have been on the team in lore. So having an all-female team in MCP, this is the right decision to make. Well, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about the possibility of Miss Marvel in MCP. Sooner <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, but just getting like Gwen or like... A couple of the members that have been on the A-Force in the past, just getting an all-female team, I mean, it's just so cool on the table, too. Well, there's a lot of cool characters that could use more spotlight that are going to be on this team. Can't wait. So I'm I'm all in. I'm I'm for this. I, I like it. Well, we will talk more about Jennifer the She-Hulk in the future, but today we've got to talk about one of the most iconic characters in all of Marvel and comics, Chris. And that's what I'm going to preface here because we got so much to get into. That's the Wolverine. So let's just get into it. Fury's Finest is sponsored by Discount Games, Inc. Go to DiscountGamesInc.com for all your Marvel, Crisis, Protocol, and miniature gaming needs. Our patrons support Fury's Finest at Patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. If you enjoyed the show, consider supporting it with a monthly contribution. We thank all of our patrons for their support. A huge thank you this week to Jonelle T. Jonelle, thank you so much. We greatly, greatly appreciate your contribution. Thank you so much. And once again, thank you to our two Avengers producers. That's Matthew R. and Ryan W. Chris, let's get into lore. Well, it's a big one this week, folks. So who is the Wolverine? (laughs) That's a big question. Of course, Logan, the Wolverine, one of... The most popular comic book characters right. in popular culture. Right. Separate com- yourself from Marvel. Just say comics in general, right? Pop culture. Everybody knows the Wolverine. 
the three claws, it's iconic. What Wolverine represents is probably the first really good adaption of the anti-hero in Western comic book culture. Right. He became the basis for many anti-hero characters in comic books. His gruff nature, his mysteriousness, his, his rough past, his willingness to do things that others will not do, you know, very grimly. You know, he's, he's a man of few words many times. Seriously, he is the basis for a lot of comic book tropes. And there's reasons for that. He's one of the best characters of this design in his superpowers, but more importantly in his character, Chris. This is one of the characters in comics that like I think resonate with a lot of people. Even people that are not anti-heroes would not do the things that Logan do. He resonates with a lot of people because he feels so real. And that's what we're going to get into today, I think, the most. I think it's why he's one of my favorite characters as well, because he feels real. He feels like someone that could exist. His character is so well designed that you forget about the superpower. The superpower is like a secondary factor. And that's one of these situations. Like a lot of times we do this show, we talk about great characters. We talk about great superpowers. But I feel like with Logan, it's more his character than his superpowers. I know his superpowers get him a lot of interesting places. But I think his character is actually his main focus. And we can go into that in deeper in lore, like in, into more of his history. But I think that's an interesting thought to pursue with this going forward. Oh, I think that's an excellent point. And I think he's very similar to that of Darth Vader. Yes. To where it's an iconic character design, that, and, and Boba Fett, for that matter. Sure. That got the character to become popular, and it was from there... They wrote so much of this great backstory. Was fleshed out and became legendary. Right. Well, let's just get into his first appearance in comics then, Chris. Wolverine made his first full appearance in The Incredible Hulk number 181. He was created by Roy Thomas, Len Wynn, and John Romita Sr. So let's talk about his superpowers before we get into his history. Wolverine's primary mutant power is his accelerated healing process, that healing factor. It regenerates damage or destroyed tissue of his body far beyond that of normal humans. In addition to accelerated healing of physical traumas, Wolverine's healing factor makes him extraordinarily resistant to diseases, drugs, and toxins. However, he can still suffer the immediate effects of such substances in massive quantities. He has been seen becoming intoxicated after ingesting significant amounts of alcohol keep in mind this is why he always has to drink so much and why he always asks for the entire bottle of whiskey every time <laughs> yes drinking an entire bottle of whiskey in one sitting not as cool as wolverine makes it seem <laughs> wolverine's healing factor also dramatically affects his aging process allowing him to live far beyond the normal lifespan of a human being despite being born in the late 19th century he has the appearance, conditioning, health, and vitality of a man in his physical prime. Due to a combination of Wolverine's healing factor and high-level psionic shields implanted by Professor Xavier, Wolverine's mind is highly resistant to telepathic assault and probing. Wolverine's mind also possesses what he refers to as mental scar tissue created by the traumatic effects of his life. Mm. It acts as a sort of natural defense even against a psychic as powerful as Emma Frost, someone I hope we see in this game, one of my favorite characters. Wolverine's sense of sight, smell, and hearing are all superhumanly acute. 
He can see with perfect clarity at greater distances than an ordinary human, even in near total darkness. Very animalistic in that way. Very. His hearing is enhanced in in a similar manner, allowing him to hear sounds ordinary humans cannot, and also to hear great distances. Wolverine has been known to use this acute sense of smell to track people and things, and even suss out would-be shapeshifters impersonating important personnel. From here out, Wolverine's powers are going to be more of a manufactured basis. Of course, this is referring to the adamantium-plated skull. He has his claws are actually a dense bone that is part of his power set, but they are coated in adamantium. His claws do not have natural openings in his skin. They tear through his skin fresh each and every time. Very painful. His entire skeleton is coated in adamantium, a fictitious marble metal, one of the strongest metals in existence in that universe. This makes his punches pack a lot more power. Yeah. This makes his bone structure nearly indestructible, and it also makes him sink in water. This adamantium coating on his claws also means he can cut through almost all metals and debris, anything. Yeah, he's about as dense as two men in their prime. They've talked about this many times, how Wolverine's like around the weight of 400-ish. He's very dense. He doesn't look it. And his size and his physicality, but with the adamantium skeleton, he's around the weight of two men, which is very dense for how small he actually is. All right, Jesse, let's go ahead and start his history. Wolverine was born as James Howitt in northern Alberta, Canada, during the late 19th century, purportedly to rich farm owners John and Elizabeth Howitt, though he's actually the illegitimate son of the Howitt's groundkeeper, Thomas Logan. After Thomas is thrown off the Howitt's property for an attempted rape perpetrated by his other son, named simply Dog, he returns to the Howitt Manor and kills John Howitt. In retaliation, young James kills Thomas with bone claws that emerge from the back of his hands as his mutation manifests. He flees with his childhood companion Rose and grows into manhood on a mining colony in the Yukon, adopting the name Logan. When Logan accidentally kills Rose with his claws, he flees the colony and lives in the wilderness among the wolves until he is captured and placed in a circus. Saul Creed, brother of Victor Creed, frees Logan, but after he betrays Logan and Clara Creed to Nathaniel Essex, Logan drowns Creed in Essex's potion. Logan returns to civilization, residing with the Blackfoot people. Following the death of his Blackfoot lover, Silver Fox, at the hands of Victor Creed, now known as Sabretooth, he is ushered into the Canadian military during World War I. Logan spends time in Madripoor before settling in Japan, where he marries Itsu and has a son, Dakin. Logan is unaware of his son for many years. During World War II, Logan teams up with Captain America and continues a career as a mercenary. He serves with the 1st Canadian Parachute Battalion during D-Day, and later with the CIA before being recruited by Team X, a black ops unit. As a member of Team X, Logan is given false memory implants. Eventually breaking free of this mental control, he joins the Canadian Defense Ministry. Logan is subsequently kidnapped by the Weapon X program, where he remains captive and experimented on until he escapes. It is during his imprisonment by Weapon X that he has 
adamantium forcibly fused to his bones. James and Heather Hudson help him recover his humanity following his escape, and Logan begins work as an intelligence operative for the Canadian government's Department H. He becomes Wolverine, one of Canada's first superheroes. In his first mission, he is dispatched to stop the destruction caused by a brawl between the Hulk and Wendigo. And of course, that is going to be Incredible Hulk. 180 and 181. Of course, 180, uh, Logan is going to appear on the last page, and 181 is widely seen as his first full appearance, and of course, that's the more valuable of the two, and it's very valuable. I believe it. Later, Professor Charles Xavier recruits Wolverine to a new iteration of his superhero mutant team, the X-Men. In X-Men number 25 in 1993, at the culmination of the Fatal Attractions crossover, Magneto forcibly removes the adamantium from Wolverine's skeleton. This is unsuccessful and causes Wolverine's mutation to accelerate out of control. He is temporarily changed into a semi-sentient beast-like form. Eventually, the villain Apocalypse captures Wolverine, brainwashes him, and Wolverine becomes the horseman Death and successfully rebonds the adamantium to his skeleton. Wolverine overcomes Apocalypse's programming and returns to the X-Men. So we've touched on a few things here. Wolverine has shared... Wolverine has had an extremely traumatic life to this point. Right. A lot of people have died in front of him. He took a life at an early age. He served in two world wars. He's had several families, children that he doesn't remember. His memories messed with. Mm-hmm. He's had a rough go of it. Yes, Chris. And of course, his bone claws first came out during that first trauma. And of course, the rest of his life is just trauma on top of trauma. So it's interesting that all this trauma that leads Charles to him eventually. And then, of course, he joins the X-Men, finds greater purpose, becomes sort of a new hero. But then he always has all this baggage and all this regret. We've talked about time and time again. Story we're going to see come up in every story of Logan, I feel like. Just sort of his regret of his past. Regret all the people that he couldn't save or that he killed himself by accident or on purpose. Also, his mind has been messed with many times. We've talked about this. Extensively. Right? So he can't even necessarily remember everything to great detail. Did I kill my own family? Did I lose them? Were they killed by someone else? So, of course, something he struggles with a lot is, you know, alcoholism in a lot of ways because he's just trying to drown out the memories. Also, though, too, we talked about how difficult it is for him to actually get a buzz or get drunk. I mean, he has to drink a lot. He has to drink a lot. So that paired with, you know, all this trauma he has, and this is his unhealthy coping mechanism, is basically either fighting, killing bad guys, or drinking too much. Drinking himself to sleep, basically. It's not good. You know, That's why we love him, though, too. It is part of why we love him, because his, his weaknesses are laid, laid bare in front of us. Right. We can identify with that. And there's also something about him that's very fatherly, something that, that comes through a lot. Why do you touch on that? Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to come through in the next major storyline I want to talk about, which uh, is going to be Schism. We're going to skip ahead to his role in the Schism arc. But something that's always come through, he's always been kind of a mentor to younger characters. He and Kitty Pride, he and Jubilee. Right. My favorite Logan story, I should say, is uh, Wolverine and the X-Men. There's a lot of stories that are technically better or more impactful lore-wise, but there's something so charming about that. Wolverine is terrifying. He's a killer. Yep. He's he's an assassin. He's he's done all these, you know, things. He's got alter egos. He's got past he doesn't remember. He's got you know, falling into a feral form and just being completely embarrassed by that. And 
But at the same time, he's a leader. He is very, very upstanding morally. He doesn't bend. He's a very good person with a very tragic past, and a lot of us can identify with that. Yeah, I think people identify too, Chris, what you said, more of his moral standpoints too, because he's the type of guy, if he's in a bar, which he is all the time, let's just give it a quick example of something from many storylines we've seen, and there are maybe characters harassing the female bartender, physically grabbing her or catcalling her. Well, he'll stand up and do something. And that's the thing about him. He always wants to be the outsider. He always wants to be the guy that's not talking. He always wants to be the guy drinking himself in the corner and not messing with anybody. But then something moral comes up and he can't help but stand up. He doesn't up. feel like he has a choice at that point. Right. In his own mind, he can't just sit there and let it happen. No. And that's when that's what we love about him. He really does have sort of that call to justice that Batman has that people love so much about Batman. But Wolverine, he's just so flawed and it's so laid bare. Like you said, it's it makes him all the more compelling. And we bring that full circle with this next storyline because something we haven't talked about yet, but worth mentioning is his rivalry with Scott Summers. We talked about Scott Summers in great detail. We had a very robust lore there. It's pretty obvious why why they are always at each other's throats, right? It's obvious why it started. Right. It's more complex later on. It's very complex. And they're both moral leaders, which is very interesting. And that, that complexity kind of starts with the schism storyline, but I think the initial thing is Gene. Yeah. Wolverine is very attracted to Gene. Yes. He does not hide it. Gene, on her part, is not entirely uh, unreceptive towards that. Cyclops has not been a good husband. So, you know, it's it's a very... It's a very it's a soap opera. It's, it's, it's a that X Men soap, soap opera, opera we talked about. Part of what makes X Men X Men. But also, we did mention many times in our Scott episode, and it's happened many times in the comics. Like Logan pushes Gene away so many times. He he takes the higher road, you know. And Scott always never sees that, you know. It's of course classically classic soap opera here. But I mean, you know, you mentioned in our Cyclops episode when her and Scott have a fight, and she goes and kisses Logan, and Logan pushes her away and says, "No, you know, you're with Scott and all this." and Worth mentioning while we're here, because there's a lot of events that are going to transpire going forward. There are. There absolutely are. And, and one more thing that you mentioned that I want to touch on is Logan and Scott both acting in ways that they believe is right. Yes. I happen to fall on the Wolverine side of things, but of course, it's easy for me to do knowing that this is a comic book and it's all idealized. <laughs> the Scott side of things is a little more militant, a little more militaristic, maybe a little bit more pragmatic. Yeah, logical sometimes. Also very easy to see why you would come down on that side of things. There is no right answer. It's a mm-hmm. matter of preference, but it is worth talking about. But they're both dads to the other mutants. We've talked about this before. Surrogate dads, like, you know, mentors. Oh, absolutely. mentors. Absolutely. Yeah. Father figures. Definitely. So let's get into schism where where this rift between the two is going to grow greatly. At the beginning of the events of schism, Cyclops actually thanks Wolverine for always being there for him and they've seemed to finally come to some, you know, mutual spoken and understood respect for each other after all the years. But while at a conference for weapons control, Kid Omega, one of my favorite newer uh, <laughs> younger mutants, Quentin Quire, launches a psychic terrorist attack hmm. on the ambassador's present. In response, sentinels are deployed to the conference and are disposed of by Cyclops and Wolverine. Due to the growing fears of mutant threats, countries around the world begin to mobilize their sentinel forces. As Cyclops begins to deploy X-Men around the globe to deal with the threat, Wolverine returns to Utopia to find Hope Summers and the Lights waiting for their combat training lesson. 
Sometime after, Kid Omega shows up on Utopia, Wolverine tries to attack Quentin Quire when Cyclops stops him. While Cyclops sends a team of some of his most powerful X-Men, as well as some of the island's students, to a local mutant museum exhibit as a quote-unquote show of force, Wolverine goes to a local bar to sulk in his aggravation at the current situation. The new Hellfire Club then attacks the exhibit and incapacitates all the senior X-Men present. As Wolverine rushes to the museum and Cyclops flies in from Utopia, ID, one of the young mutants, also one of Wolverine's kind of mentored children, asks if she should kill the Hellfire Club to help. While Wolverine promptly and quickly says no and protests profusely that she would even suggest this, Cyclops tells Idy to do what she feels is right. The young mutant kills almost every Hellfire Club member left to save her friends and mentors. Wolverine pops his claws at Cyclops in anger that he used a child to save the day in combat, but restrains himself when he realizes the implications of what he's doing. From the wreckage of the museum, a sentinel begins to form. While Wolverine tries to stop the sentinel from maturing, he is thrown into the ocean. Shortly after, Wolverine swims to Utopia and tells the mutant children that they need to evacuate. Cyclops tells the students to fight together and that they can beat the sentinel. Wolverine objects to using the children in battle. Cyclops does not listen and begins to prepare the students for combat. Shortly after, Wolverine returns with a detonator to blow up Utopia and orders all remaining people on the island to evacuate. Cyclops and Wolverine's frustration with with each other comes to a head when Cyclops brings up Jean Grey, saying that she had never loved Wolverine and always feared him. Wolverine replies, and if she were here right now, who do you think she would be more frightened of? The two then fight each other while being attacked by the Sentinel. Classic. (laughs) Classic. And as Wolverine claws into Cyclops' visor, the students reappear on the battlefield to help them fight the Sentinel. In the morning, Cyclops and Wolverine stand victorious with the students all living. Wolverine can no longer continue watching Cyclops use children as soldiers to fight these battles. So Wolverine announces his departure from Utopia, and he indicates that he will take any mutant on the island who wants to leave with him. While Wolverine does not leave as an enemy of Cyclops and the X-Men, he makes it very clear he wants both sides to stay away and mind their own business. Mm. Wolverine returns to Westchester and opens a new school, the Jean Grey School of Higher Learning. And this is when Jason Aaron and Wolverine and the X-Men comes into play. The split of the schools. It's classic at this point. This is kind of a big deal for Marvel ongoing here. Because this is going to kind of lead us into this Avengers versus X-Men kind of feel where Wolverine isn't necessarily always an X-Man anymore. Yeah. We skipped a lot here, but we're just trying to, you know, not drown you in in two hours of Wolverine lore talk. Yeah. But we want to hit some of these major themes that, that really appeal to Jesse and I. And one of these themes that really appeals to us is Wolverine's stance despite everything that's happened in his life, is his stance on wanting to make sure to let these kids be kids. Yeah. Something that he didn't necessarily get. He wants these kids to have a childhood that they're happy with. They've been persecuted. They're here away from their families. In some cases, their families won't talk to them, hate them, ignore them, pretend they're dead. You know, these kids have not had had easy lives either. 
despite all of this, all the challenges that, that go with this, Wolverine is just 100% always trying to make sure these kids have a better go of it than he did. And that's just something I really, really respect and something I've always really loved about him. And I think that Wolverine and the X-Men run really kind of really shows that on top of just being charming and fun. Yeah, Chris, if I can echo more what you're saying, he never changes in that stance, and that's really important. It's a theme we see that they bring into not only more of comics, but the movies. They do a really good job in the movies. The film Logan literally coalesces with him living this out in the most dynamic and pronounced way as the end of the movie. Because, yeah, he wants kids to have a better life. He's lived through so much trauma in his childhood and his adult life and his extended adult life of many, many years because he's lived through so many decades more than the average man. And he just wants a better life for everyone else. And I do like that he never falters on that standpoint. And that's something where him and Scott do, of course, come to blows, but also like come to differences on a lot. And even a place where him and Xavier come at a point too, Chris, where it's like he tells Xavier a lot, like you're choosing the these kids paths going forward and maybe they didn't figure out their choice yet right he tells them a lot it's the theme we see in the movies too why they clash i think it's good i think it's a good thing it's a good part of his character and he's such a flawed character flawed anti-hero like you said but he's so heroic and he's so steadfast in his beliefs we cannot love him that's really what it is he still encapsulates the hero part of that yeah he does. He's, he's not just a banger and he feels real and he feels quantifiable and it's it, and complex, you know, yeah. complex. And, and we're getting into some intangibles here because parts of his superpower, like you mentioned earlier, he ages at such a different rate than other humans. He's more vampiric in that way where it's like he's lived many lifetimes that people have not lived. So he does have a lot of wisdom, but he also has a lot of baggage a lot. and a lot of mental health issues and a lot of yes. things that he's bringing from those years of baggage and living multiple lifetimes. He's bringing a lot. And he has a lot and he has more than we can possibly talk about in our format. Oh, yeah. And things get crazy, like Old Man Logan, things like that, right? We, we have well, different yeah, directions. I, I've intentionally not really talked about other versions of Logan. Of course, we have X-23, Laura Kinney, yeah. whom is one of my absolute favorite Marvel characters. And she's a different character entirely. Yeah. She is 100% very different from Logan while still sharing some of the same ideas that made him so great. Old Man Logan, of course, is one of my recommended reads. When we come to that point here sure. in a second, super fun, kind of started as a, a what if that was so good and so popular that it became canon, which <laughs> I just, I love, I love stuff like that. So in September and October of 2014, Marvel ran the death of Wolverine. They killed Wolverine off for a while. Finally. He was gone for a while. And of course, that's when Laura Kinney stepped in as the all new, all different Wolverine. Uh, she adopted his code name. Cool. adopted his his costume which Suit, yeah. i thought was a cool touch i thought she looked awesome very cool he gets brought back in the search for wolverine in the resurrection of wolverine hunt for wolverine all of it so much but then of course that brings us to the hickman reboot of the x universe where wolverine is just kind of back we're not going to get into any of the hickman reboot you're going to have to go read that it is still a story that is being told, so we don't want to really get into any of yeah. the absolute current comics, but I think it's pretty cool. Not everybody does. Whatever your opinion <laughs> is, it's okay. So, Chris, that, of course, is going to lead us to a very fun and exciting part of our X-Men series today, 
arguably the best character in all of the X-Men movies, the representation. And that's referring to Logan, of course, in the X-Men movies, played by Hugh Jackman himself. And Chris, this story is crazy. So Hugh Jackman was a no-name actor at this time. And the story gets super crazy. So we, we all know Hugh Jackman's an Australian actor. We all know Russell Crowe's an Australian actor. Originally, Russell Crowe was called to play Logan. Okay. This is a crazy story. How different would modern Hollywood look? I mean, not too terribly, but it would just be weird. Yeah. Obviously, they'd save some money because Russell Crowe at that given time, 1999, would have cost quite a bit more. But he said he's not interested. But I do know a guy Thanks, that Ross. I think would be a great fit. I don't know when they met in passing. It's so interesting. They do work later, lay Miss and things like that. With this story in mind, you're thinking like that. But he recommended Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman was currently on the musical Oklahoma, classic here in the state of Oklahoma. I found myself uh, singing a song from that a couple days ago while in the shower. He had a perm for Oklahoma. So he could have curls because he was character with all sorts of curls. So this is hilarious. He's recommended from Rus- by Russell Crowe. He shows up to the audition and he's wearing a baseball cap. And they're like, can you take that off? And he's like, takes it off and just the curls and fro pop out. And they're That's like, so funny. Yeah, go ahead and put it back on. That was the right decision before you act out this scene. And yeah, he acted out a scene while he's in the middle of doing Oklahoma, did this scene they really liked it. And apparently the story gets even more interesting. Hugh Jackman's talked to this many times. So he was on the set of X-Men 1. So that's his first appearance as Logan, of course. Filming his first couple scenes, he's getting into this really method acting, acting like a wolf and acting just really animalistic and stuff, which, you know, it's a good, that's a good start. And uh, I guess apparently Brian Singer was like, what are you, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm trying to be as wolf-like as possible. And he's like, but you're a wolverine. You're not a wolf. Like, you're a wolverine. And <laughs> Hugh Jackman had no idea the animal the wolverine existed. Oh, my God. <laughs> he thought it was just a play on words of a superhero name for a wolf. And <laughs> That's crazy. Which I could see I could get that mixed up because he said he read some of the history of the character. He ran with wolves and stuff. Yeah, right? I mean, uh, the, the wolf was the right choice <laughs> for all but name. I mean, maybe... Maybe he knew a little bit more than Singer did in that. Yeah, that Singer's instance. like, you can go down the zoo tomorrow. There's like five there, is what he told him. <laughs> That's so, so funny. This is the story told from Hugh Dragman. Apparently, Hugh Dragman went to the zoo the next day and learned that wolverines existed. And- He's Australian. <laughs> yeah. why, why would he know about it? Like, I get it. There's a lot of crazy marsupials and stuff in Australia. I mean, it's not out of the realm of belief that there's a crazy mammal that's part badger, part wolf sort oh, of I'm not crazy saying that creature. he thought it was a cryptozoological creature. <laughs> he just thought it was a play on words. And poor guy, he got it right after that. And yeah, he came out swinging in X-Men 1, Chris. And I love this about Hugh Jackman. He basically just showed up. This was pre the 2010s, perfect superhero body sort of thing. So he wasn't even ripped then. He was just a guy in good shape. He said baseball he did back then was a lot of running, which, you know, he's in good shape. That's about it. More than I do. And then, of course... The movies going forward, they started making him start lifting the weights like crazy and literally developed his body for moving forward in his life because he has played this character, Chris, in so many films. So we're going to shotgun through him and then we're going to talk about some high moments. So, of course, he was an X-Men. Then he was an X-2, X-Men 3. How can you skip over the ultimate high move moment of x one of the greatest films in all cinematic history. Chris is going to keep harping on it, and we're going to get to the commentary. I cannot wait. X-Men Origins Wolverine, which is a rough one. X-Men First Class is a cameo. The Wolverine, that's the Japanese Wolverine film. X-Men Days of Future Past, which he's the lead character. Deadpool, he's mentioned a couple times in the Deadpool movies. X-Men Apocalypse, 
apparently he's an archival footage, which is pretty interesting. And, you know, Deadpool 2 does a lot of that fourth wall stuff. And then, of course, Logan. So Hugh Jackman has played the Wolverine. From the inception of the X-Men franchise all the way through to the, so many. To the final masterpiece the cherry on top, Logan. What a movie that is! Well, he was absolutely. In, he was in eight movies, Chris, where he was like a lead character, and then he was cameoed in like three. So he's played this character eight times in eight major feature films. You could almost call him the lead of every one of these movies. He's the POV character in X One. He legitimately steals the show. Mm-hmm. He was an unknown actor, but he every was. scene he's in. I'm really excited to get to this movie on our commentary series. That's right. All I remember from initially watching that in theaters was thinking man this guy really is wolverine you're like i don't even know this guy yeah, yeah. i had no and idea who he was good. i can't imagine anyone else as wolverine now when it really helps too that hugh jackman is like truly truly one of the most like warm likable guys out there like it, it's so cool that we got this iconic of, of a superhero and he's so like open with his fans he's so giving he's really transparent in his interviews which i think is really nice he's just a regular guy really he just kind of got the job and performed, you know, and he maintained the guy he was before. And I kind of love that so much about him. Like he's still doing great work today. I mean, obviously he's gotten back into many musicals and a lot of dramatic work. He's kind of become this like a class dramatic actor and he got there doing Wolverine, which is, it's cool. He didn't get typecast. Let's not forget about Kate and Leopold. Oh, it's true. (laughs) It's true. Chris. So let's not forget about Oklahoma. <laughs> no, he don't did, forget about Oklahoma. He did an awesome job of not getting typecast as yeah. an action film star. He really did. I'm a fan. No, I'm I'm for him, man. Uh, he's a fantastic actor. Like you said, a wonderful person. We could use more of that. We really could. I mean, it sounds so silly to be like someone who's a superstar, like Hugh Jackman. Like his wife's just a regular person, and like that shouldn't feel like a statement to say, but she is. It's very, it's very Will Rogers, who's very yeah. near and dear to my heart. Yeah, of she's she's not a celebrity. He loves her dearly, and they've been married for so long. And the testament of his life is in all of his actions and the way he acts around, like I said, the fans and of course, you know, other people he's encountered. So he basically said that Logan is it, and we're gonna do a deep dive on his performance on Logan when we get there because. We're have a lot of room to breathe on the film but he knocks out of the park like you said rogan logan is a great film it's filmed in a wonderful cinematic western style it's it's a western movie it takes the best parts of old man logan and distill it down to a simple story but really it's his performance it's really just his performance that's the whole movie is why it's so good well it's not just his oh yeah i know patrick stewart it's patrick stewart well and it's caliban caliban is excellent man (laughs) Man, seeing him do non-comedic work. Well, actually, it's still comedic. It's good. But the setting, yeah, that movie's fantastic. I'm very happy that that is going to be the last movie in our ex-watch through. Me too. It's going to leave a very good memory of that. Well, maybe one day we'll get to talk about Laura on the show. But, you know, Daphne Keene as Laura in that film, too, is a standout performance. I mean, I am just hoping that the MCU brings her in as Laura. They had her acting alongside Hugh Jackman and like casting call because they were really trying to find a great actress to play Laura and like she was ad libbing stuff. She was knocking out of the park. She was going bilingual. She was jumping between languages and they're just like completely just improving a scene and like they're like, yeah, this is, she's off her lines now and she's like, I'd love to see character. some of that video. Yeah, it's really good. So might be out there somewhere. I don't know. It's out there on the internet. It's good stuff. And of course, Patrick Stewart doing his final performance as Charles Xavier too is just wonderful. Great send off for Logan and Charles Xavier. Well, it's really kind of a send-off to the whole Fox... It is. And it was a beautiful send-off, yeah. Yeah, the whole Fox X-Men uh, universe that they've 
built for better or worse. Yeah. The proof is there in Logan. I mean, it's like with all the missteps, I mean, we still got Logan, right? Which is an insane and beautiful thing. So Hugh Jackman is the Wolverine. And Chris and I were talking about this off mic too. And Chris, I think you've brought this up on the show sometimes too. Sometimes people get really fixated on how a person looks if they can play a character. Something we didn't talk about today in lore, but I think it's understood with a lot of people. Logan is a shorter guy. And that's part of the comics that's ingrained in like dialogue and like visuals. Like he's a shorter guy that weighs a ton. Like it makes it even more impactful that when he weighs a ton from the adamant team and stuff, Hugh Jackman is not a short guy. He's six one. He's not, you know, super tall, but he's way taller than average. And that's fine. It works perfectly because it's yeah, one of it those things matter. like you don't get fixated on that. People were talking about that in the past, like, oh, Hugh Jackman's too tall or all this. And it doesn't matter. His performance, it's all captured there. And, you know, he, in the face, he does look like the Wolverine. They did a good job. And it's interesting if you watch in the movies, it's kind of goofier earlier on and they kind of embrace more of a natural look. Like early on, his hair is literally gelled right. wild like the Wolverine and his chops are wild. And over time, he kind of gets more like natural chops and beard and just kind of shaggy hair you know, that's kind of windswept and feathered and it looks natural. And the, his performance is very natural. And more as it goes on, he gets comfortable in the role. He absolutely does. He's man, he's great. He just really is. <laughs> well, even when the movies are bad, Chris, you can watch him on the screen and that will get you through some of the bad parts. You've talked about these extra bad, maybe X2 and X3s of the worlds. Or the, that's or- how I'm planning on getting through them. But to your point on the casting there, I, I think we kind of even touched on this in our last episode when we were the Disney Plus Marvel announcements uh, mm. episode. Michael B. Jordan was a good casting in that Fantastic Four movie. Yeah, Johnny Storm is white, right? Yeah. Michael B. Jordan was the best part of that film. Yeah. So sometimes you just got to go with the talent or the charisma or the right personality for the role instead of yeah. who quote unquote looks the part. And I always say that too. It's like every time a new Joker's cast or something, everybody loses their minds to quote the Joker. And it's like, let's just wait till we see the performance. You know, it's every single time happened with Heath Ledger. And now those people are eating their words. I mean, it's just one of those deals. Like people love their characters. They love, they get fixated on what the character needs to look like in their mind. And they just get so fixated on that. Like we need a short guy who's scruffy and kind of rough looking. And those long people can get to play Logan. It's like, well, it's like a little bit outside of the box. You're right. Logan does have an iconic look and we do need to capture that. But Hugh Jackman was a taller man, captured the look perfectly. We fudged one of the main factors of his character because he's actually always been pointed fun at a lot by a lot of characters because he's shorter. And then that actually makes him even more lethal later on. Like they're not ready for it, but it's an interesting thing to look at and to discuss. But Hugh Jackman knocked it out of the park. Um, I love the guy. I love his performance. I can't wait to re-examine his performance and enjoy it as Chris and I go on this Cerebro commentary journey and kind of dive into this. So I'm really excited. So Chris, closing out our lore section today, we have comic book and media recommendations. That's a little teaser I'm leaving there on the end, but start us off with some comic book recommendations. Well, this week I have quite a few comic book recommendations. I want to point out that all of these should be fairly easy to get into and fairly easy to find at your local comic book shop. My personal two recommendations, of course, are Wolverine and the X-Men and Uncanny X-Force by Rick Remender. Sean, from my upcoming new podcast project that will be getting off the ground here very shortly, has a list for everyone. Civil War, Enemy of the State, Logan by Brian K. Vaughn. Mm. If you want to get out there a little bit more, a little bit, a little bit more intermediate reading, Old Man Logan, the Chris Claremont Wolverine miniseries, Astonishing Spider-Man and Wolverine. 
Very good. Very good recommendations. So many, Chris. So many. This is a lot. He's, of course, he's one of the most popular characters comic books has ever seen. So there's a lot of stories with him as Marvel did not sit by and just let the opportunity to put him in every book possible. (laughs) (laughs) He's got to show up. Yeah. He's got to be there. He's got to make the money. So I've got an interesting recommendation today, and which is a first for us on the show, and I'm really excited to recommend it. And I honestly hope more content like this exists in the world, Chris, but someone who really enjoys audio content and making audio content weekly for people and trying to make my content the best it can be, really appreciates something of this level. So there is a Wolverine podcast, and I would actually struggle to call it a podcast. I would call it more a Wolverine audio drama. It is not a podcast really by any means other than it's a free audio format you listen to. You're listening to an audio drama. Just think of a movie and audio format acted out by actors. And it's a really cool story. It's called Wolverine the Long Night. That's season one. And season two is called Wolverine the Lost Trail. You can just find it if you type in Wolverine on your podcast app. You will find it. It is Marvel and Stitcher working together. So Marvel put money into this, Chris, and so did Stitcher. And they made a great audio drama. We've talked about time and time again. Logan is a man of few words. Logan is not someone who's in the spotlight a lot. Logan's definitely not someone who is a big talker. And that's actually pretty apparent in this series. You don't follow Logan. You follow these two detectives hunting Logan down. And... Occasionally, Logan pops up throughout the story, and he's played by Richard Armitage of recently the Hobbit trilogy fame. He plays Thorn Oakenshield, the main dwarf in Hobbit trilogy, which, you know, the best character in the new Hobbit trilogy after Bilbo and Gandalf. And man, is he a great Logan. And season one and season two are just so fun. I highly recommend it. I won't give anything away because there's a lot of crazy twists and turns of things I was not expecting. This is a new Wolverine story that eventually made it to comics later. So it started on audio format. Went to comics later, and it's fun. It's not like the greatest story in the world, but it's a really great experience. Like, you're kind of on the edge of your seat. It's a murder mystery. Also, you got these people hunting Logan in Alaska. I mean, it's the setting is right, too. You know, we're fitting some of that early Logan, like, lore, also mixed with some of the X1 stuff, you know? I mean, noir set in Alaska <laughs> is pretty cool stuff. I think there's a Michael Shabon book uh, set up up in Anchorage, That's I think. That's a good point. Yeah, it was a really good read. Yiddish Policeman's Union, I, I believe, was oh, the name Chris of the book. Oh, Chris doing some good cuts here. Yeah, well, in season two of this Wolverine show, the setting changes. You know, it's, it's the bayous of New Orleans. So we go from Alaska to... Louisiana, nice like jump in the United States, you know, and and just like Chris talked about today, like we don't even necessarily know where this fits in Logan's storyline. And I think that's intentional because once again, things happen in his past with his memory, as Chris talked about, there's jumps in time where the things he's forgotten as well. So it's pretty interesting altogether. And I'm a big fan. I highly recommend it. Richard Armitage knocks it out of the park and it's a fun listen. So I highly recommend listening to it when you have the time because they're 30 minute episodes. So it's not like a podcast where like if you go on a 10 minute drive, you do your grocery shop and come back to a 10 minute drive home. Like you really just want to try to listen to him in those segments, right? So yeah, take the dog on a walk for 30 minutes. Listen to that first episode, you know, and take it in. It's good. Thinking about listening to it on my drive back to North Carolina. It's fun. All right, Chris, that is our lore today. We made it through. We only hit the main points of Logan because I really do think a lot of these storylines we skipped in the middle, we did intentionally because they're going to come up in other X-Men stories in the future. We have so many X-Men We have so much double dipping. We have other characters that Logan's mentored. We have other characters that Logan's done on missions with. We're going to cover that stuff. All right, Chris, let's move on to strategy. His name is Wolverine. His alter ego is James 
Logan Howlett. On his healthy side, he has seven stamina, a medium move, a height of two, and a threat cost of four. His defenses are four physical, three energy, two mystic. And on his injured side, Chris, his stamina goes down from seven to five, giving him a total of 12. What stands out to you with Logan's stats at his four threat? 12 health at four threat seems a little low. We know where it's going. We don't have to play coy. Of course, he's got the healing factor. And he has seven on one side, which is pretty interesting. Right. He's so, kind of front loaded. Yeah, he's front loaded there. I like that idea. I think he's the healthiest four threat on one side. But then he's probably the lowest Averager, four yeah. threat on <laughs> one side. The other thing that stands out is the two mystic defense. Yep. I do completely understand where they're going with this. You could also go the other way with it using the same logic. Yep. So, you know, game purposes, I understand. He's mentally weak to psychic attacks because of all of his trauma is the route they chose to go. And I like that. Just like we saw Chris with uh, Bucky, where his mystical defense was lower than average for a three threat. Right. So let's talk about his attacks. His first attack is going to be a physical attack. It is Adamantium Slash. Has a range of two, a strength of five. Power cost of zero. After this attack is resolved, this character gains power equal to the damage dealt. On a wild, you will trigger bleed. After this attack is resolved, target character gains the bleed special condition. And also, on a wild, you will trigger pierce. Love it. I love pierce. Change one of the defending character's critical, wild, or block results to a blank. That is awesome. I, you could say that it's wild. It's a little wild, Chris. And don't forget, listener... That when you get a wild result, even if you don't get damaged through, it happens. That's a part of this game too. Now, it gets complicated because that doesn't so much happen with Pierce, right? Let's say they rolled three blocks and you only roll one wild. Pierce isn't going to work because it's only going to take away one of those blocks, right? But if they rolled one and you rolled one and it was only a wild, you're taking that away and you're dealing a damage through the Pierce. But also, as long as you have one wild, you're getting both these triggers. So every time Logan rolls wild... He's at least giving bleed, and he's probably piercing through a block of some sort and then dealing damage. So this is a five-strength strike, which is, you know, average, as we know in the game. But these wild triggers are but a little But all those average. triggers are above average, right? It's very, I don't want to say it's very good, but it's it's good. It's dependable. Yeah, great, great <laughs> word, yeah. His second and last attack is also a physical attack, who would have known, called Berserker Barrage, straight from the Marvel vs. Capcom game. It's a range three attack, so he gets a little more range on this. Seven strength, power cost of three. Before damage is dealt, so before you deal the damage, you have to do this. Place Logan within range one of the target. He's, he's diving in. If this target deals damage, after the attack is resolved, if the target character is size three or less, very nice, Logan may throw them short. And notice it says throw them. Doesn't say away or anything like that. Just throw them a direction short. It also says may. It does. You got options. You got options. I'm a fan. So this is a, a very good attack for, for only three. Three, as we know, in MCP is always expensive. Three or higher is expensive. But three is like the low barrier of expensive. Seven dice, good. Range three, good. Forcing yourself to teleport, similar to beast, Maybe not so good. Could be good. Could be bad. <laughs> it's going to be great. Like when you want to make it across the board. Absolutely. Getting a free throw, as long as you deal damage, is great. Because yep. then you're getting at least another ping, and then you're making someone make a dodge save. You've got six power. You berserker barrage. You jump up. You throw. Then you do it again. This other target, yeah. Yeah, and you throw again. 
Right. You're you're kind of but ping you're ponging them. You're ping ponging with yourself and with them. I'm not saying it's super effective or great strategy. I'm saying it's fun. Some would say it's what Wolverine would do. This host would agree. This he's diving in. He's stabbing somebody. He's doing the diving stab claw. Then he's throwing them over his body. We know exactly what he's doing into somebody. And then he's going and stabbing them and then throwing them back into the other person. <laughs> he's causing havoc. I love it. It's okay. They're robots or something. So he can stab Or away. something. So Chris, let's jump into his superpowers. His first superpower is going to be an active superpower. It is the best at what I do dot dot dot. Familiar, bub. <laughs> <laughs> This power is an action. It is going to cost three power. This character immediately makes a move action, followed by an adamantium slash attack action. When making this action, each wild in the attack roll counts as two successes. This superpower can be used only once per turn. This is why adamantium slash is only five dice. (laughs) (laughs) We can't give too many dice. With too many potentials to get wilds, because then that's just so many successes, right? Because, yeah, if you get two wilds off of Adamantium Slash, very possible. That's four hits instead of two hits. And then guess what? They have Pierce. <laughs> it's also very possible and that bleed. you get no wilds. On oh, yeah. Roll. This is Wolverine, right? This is what can this happen. This is Wolverine. We know it. it. He is the best at what he does. I love this, Chris. It can only be used once per turn. I think the biggest and most helpful thing about this it's just like for Asgard. Why for Asgard and Thor is so good. You get a move followed by an attack baked into one action. So you're you're netting an action, right? Because then you still have right. one more action with Wolverine after this. So even if you move up with an adamantium slash, which would be rough because you want to get this wild double success excitement. But just say you whiff. Well, now you still have one action left. Do you want to move again somewhere else or do you want to try to adamantium slash again? Because now you're where you want it to be. So it's a good way to get around his low mobility because he is a medium mover but he's a small base and it turns out other than his teleport from berserker barrage he has no movement shenanigans he's basically i can teleport from berserker barrage i can move normally i can best at what i do to get a move and attack built into one action so that's about what he can do in the way of movement so he strikes me as a very strategic character someone that not necessarily strikes you as big brain but he's kind of a big brain character you want to send him to the right place early game let's say right that. his next superpower is an innate superpower called adamantium skeleton when determining if this character can be thrown or pushed by an effect or special rule or when it is colliding with another character or terrain feature this character counts as size three so a little complicated to understand at first but basically he's size two for all purposes of cover in the standard game but anytime he's thrown or pushed or, you know, colliding with another character, he's size three. It actually makes him, at the same time, safer against throws, because characters that don't have size three throws can't throw him at all. But it also makes him way more dangerous when he's thrown, because he's going to really hurt your teammates, because he weighs so much. And we talked about it in lore. I mean, he's he's a small guy that weighs as much as two average male adults, or more. So, it's going to hurt when he gets thrown into you. I think this is an absolutely wonderful thematic <laughs> power. It's good. I mean, it changes his gameplay. It's, yeah. You want to be careful with where you put him. You want to be careful where you put him, but it's not its not make or break for the character. It's, it's a little bit of flavor. It's neat. His last superpower, Chris, on his healthy side before we get to his injured side superpower, which I'm going to let you read. He has two innates. He has immunity to stun, which is very nice. So he's always going to get the power he wants. And then healing factor two. Healing factor is a new 
keyword in the game, which I actually don't think is on any of these cards. Healing factor is at the end of this character's activation, it heals damage equal to the number. So keep in mind, not the start, at the end. So think of Nebula. When she activates, she heals one. It's at the end of his activation. Logan heals two. It's very nice. It's really obnoxious because now we're seeing his true strength, which is where you place him somewhere you want him to be, make them attack him, and then you activate him late in the round because he doesn't care. He's been attacked. And he's going to heal a little bit now. It makes this seven stamina more like nine at least. Right. It's terrible. This is why he's seven and five. It's a higher number than that if you're playing him right. Now, we've got a lot of interesting things going on here, Chris, but before we get into like how to play him, what do we want to do with him? He has one new superpower that he develops only on his injured side, so it's only going to happen half the game or less, but I think it's really exciting. If you want to take us through it. It is Wild Rage. It is an innate superpower. Add one die to this character's attack rolls for each damage token it has. Additionally, this character cannot interact with or hold objective tokens. So that is why he's only five <laughs> Yeah, on his injured side. That is a very nice superpower. That lets him kind of hit way above his weight when he's not got much longer left in that particular game. Yeah, but he can no longer hold tokens or contest the objectives that are stuck on the map. So right. he loses one of the most important parts of the game, but he makes up for it he as he's a terror. Incredibly dead, deadly, yeah. Yeah. So now, once again, Chris, why did Adamantium Slash have to be five? Well, now <laughs> it could be six, seven, eight, or nine with Pierce. And now he's doing the best of what I do. The wilds count as two successes on higher dice. You see what we want to do here. So you really want to use the best of what I do when he's teed up. And of course you're going to because he's going to be teed up because he's going to have the power because he was dealt damage. And then this is where it gets funny. It's like when Wolverine's on this side, you either need to ignore him entirely or commit fully. You can't do anything in the middle. If you hit him once, you need to make sure he's done that round. You need to get your mystic person over there and deal with him quick because it's it's going to be a problem. Yeah. Oh, also, Chris, on this side, well, he gets one new thing. He's immune to stun as like normal, but now he's immune to stagger. So you can't even lock him out with like Doctor Strange or anything like that. He becomes a force of nature. Yeah, this is him in his I love in it. his feral beast mode that we kind of touched on in his lore segment. Once again, atomic mass. This is like Green Goblin Part Two. Green right. Goblin gets so crazy on his back, and he's like six things change. Logan's like three things change, which is huge. But like, you don't want these characters flipping over. Right. That's when they really turn on. That's when they're a problem. And I think it's a very, very elegant way for Atomic Mass to implement these powers in a lore-friendly way, in a way that doesn't break the game. I say it all the time. You would accuse me of being paid by them, but I'm not. Right. They've done a great job. Yeah. Well, this is Logan through and through. It really is. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. I'm curious to see if we're going to get a patch variant, but you know, whatever. <laughs> So let's talk about Logan, where he fits in teams. Obviously, he has some weaknesses, Chris. We talked about mobility being a weakness. We talked about his weakness to Mystic being pretty severe. You know, characters like Black Panther. Black Panther's a fourth threat who's a long mover who's pretty tanky. Logan's obviously tanky. He's a medium mover. And Black Panther is not great against Mystic either, but he's not a two, you know? So it's just one of those things like he is this little bit higher risk character than some of the four threats. And I think that's good. I also think he's really solid. Like I think if you plant your feet with Logan and you are 
against someone of a similar threat or lower and you play him right, you're probably going to win that fight because you have healing factor. Yeah, he can be kited by a Hawkeye or something. That'd be bad, but it, that doesn't apply to what I'm talking about because what I'm talking about is you want Logan on the secure objectives. You want him on those. You don't want him to extract, really. You want him to sit on places and force people to come fight him. So yeah, Hawkeye can shoot Logan from a distance, but Hawkeye is still not winning that objective, right? And Logan is probably going to survive the onslaught of Hawkeye and then heal too when he activates. So it's one of those things like you put him down as a piece similar to like the Black Dwarf or something, which I really like. Come deal with this character. I'm just going to keep scoring the rest of the game. I don't even have to move off here and fight you. I can just tank this. Now, you know, this can bite you in the butt later too, though. And I've experienced this with Logan where it's like I sent him to one far side of the board he decimated that side of the board, but then he's by himself and he has to take two turns to get to the middle fight. So I think you always want to kind of send him to the middle in most cases. So it's a, it's a hard thing to do him right. But, you know, as Chris has talked about many times, like on this show where it's like the more characters that come out in the future, we're going to have more supports that make him better, more ways to help him cheat his movement, get him to where he needs to be. I think it's all good stuff. Storm, he's a great character in storms list because That's what i was thinking the hop and the cover right we, we talked about how good these things are you add cover to his already impressive healing factor he's just ridiculously especially if it's physical inversely though we can talk about him on scott's team chris so scott is so much harder to use we've talked about how hard it is to use but if wolverine's berserker barraging more throughout an entire game that's really powerful also even think less of that i honestly i think you're going to use berserker barrage more when you're ready to throw example that chris gave earlier when people are clumped up i don't think you berserker barrage necessarily on someone by themselves that's when you do the best of what i do which costs three exactly notice they both cost three so then you the best of what i do for three get that adamantium slash with the extra wild procs and then really just tear into somebody but gain power as you do it right because you want them to have power it's all good but in scott's team like could he best at what i do every turn probably you're playing scott's team right right because you're passing power so I've been talking about Scott's leadership for for a bit and about how I... You're trying to figure it out. I want to live the dream. And I'm not nearly as smart at this tactical stuff as you are, so just let me wade through this mud I'm myself. interested. So hear me out here. Wolverine, he's on Scott's team. He's not happy about it, okay? <laughs> he's gone to the middle of the board. He's not happy about this. He's taking all the damage he can. He's he's pissed. Gene. He's yeah, screaming Gene. Gene. So he is flipped over. He's on berserker mode. He's taking he's taking three damage. Okay, so he's three out of the five right now. He's low, man. He's but about it to is die. The end, it is the end of that turn. So he's and one of the last going, people to and go. He's going to activate right now. Okay, he's got enough power to do best at what I do. He, of course does, he does the best at what I do. So he's got eight dice. That's pretty good. Pretty good. He and wilds roll, count as two now. He can roll two or three wilds in there. Okay. Probably so, yeah. So he rolls three wilds. We're talking <laughs> six damage. He's living the dream. Okay. Maybe he got two hits in there too, Chris. Why not? Let's just oh my gosh, you're making this better. Well, that's five successes out of eight dice. That's a little above average, but that's that's good. So now does he qualify as maybe being a power battery for Scott's leadership ability? Because he if just he, got six or eight He just power. got six or eight power off one attack. Now, now, do you do you think about maybe with his next movement to pull him back and just power for the rest of the game? I think that's a good strategy. Yeah, I know this is weird and, and, a, and a gimmicky it's strategy. The dream. I know it is, and well, I know you it's want the gimmick assuming toward. everything that's going to to go right. I, I understand, and I know that this isn't going to be a tournament winning list or anything. But this is why someone should have killed him on this side, <laughs> right? 
<laughs> they made a mistake. So, exactly. So That's... they made a huge mistake. This is when you have your opening. I think you're right, Chris. This could happen if someone makes this huge mistake, does not kill him. And yeah, he could pass power. If you play a heal card, maybe you're waiting for it to happen. Well, you didn't mention the best part of this is, yeah, maybe he moves back to the rest of your team. He's ready to pass power for Scott's team. But most importantly, Chris, at the end of that activation, he healed two of that off. He's at one out of five. Bingo. Yeah. So he's in a good spot again. He's got a ton of power. He's yeah. got a little bit of health cushion. I know he, the, the drawback, of course, Get him being, to cover or something. Of course, being he's not going to be able to interact with objectives. He's literally just going to be there to pass out power. Yeah, I think that's a good strategy. And I think, if anything, it's a good strategy late game because he is a tank, because he has innate healing and decent defenses. So that alone makes someone a candidate potentially for Scott's team. You see what I'm saying? Like, I'm thinking, like, the Black Dwarf could be fine. Right. Also because he wants to do big attacks, too. But it's interesting. It's something to think about. Scott's team is obviously one of the hardest to pull off in the game at this point. So oh, I know Omnis is upset with us right now. Oh, I know. I love he is. it. I love it. He's absolutely right that you want to take storm 99% of the time. Probably 99.5. I just, Chris and I are going to do it about, 80. I have this we're going to do it 80% of the time. We're going to take Scott that 20. It's going to be a dream. Yeah. Just it's living the dream. Hoping it works. So anyway, we should probably move <laughs> on here. <laughs> you guys are going to have to hear me talk about who could fit in Scott's team for the rest of this podcast's life. It's I hope true. you know that. Yeah, because you even mentioned that in the Scott episode. Like You're like, there's so many characters coming out. We're, we're going to have to examine this. <laughs> we're going to come like... back to it. Maybe we could get Omnis on to build a, uh, a Scott leadership team. Uh, I have a couple ideas, Chris. A couple Scott ideas going forward, so it'll be good. So, Chris, we've got to get into some tactics cards here, and they're going to come up again in our Sabretooth episode, so forgive us there when we repeat them, but it'll be relevant then. So something that's really interesting that they brought in with this Wolverine Sabretooth box is what I'm calling a mini affiliation, the healing factor affiliation, because no one in the game has these yet, except these two. We assume Deadpool probably will. There's no way. So this is a mini affiliation. And I, I call them a mini affiliation because you don't get an affiliation bonus from having these characters like you would on a regular team, but you get access to the affiliation cards just like you would having an Avengers team, only be able to use Avengers cards. So we're going to read these cards. Chris is going to start us off and we're going to talk about these healing factor tactics cards that so far characters with the healing factor keyword can take. And that right now in the game is Wolverine and Sabretooth. And the first one is Weapon X Program. And of course, you could easily see Deadpool slotting into this. He was part of the Weapon X Program as well. Theme. It is, of course, unaffiliated. It is an active tactics card. Wolverine or Sabretooth may spend three power to play this card. This character is thrown short. It does not suffer damage if it collides with another character or terrain feature. Okay, this is Black Panther's Pounce built into a card. It's nice. I'm not mad at it. If Wolverine throws himself into a oh, yeah. character, will they take damage? Okay. He doesn't, but will they? They will have to make a dodge save at now a heavy man that's coming in. Excellent. Size three. I love it when heavy man's comes in <laughs> for my team. Big chunk of ad adamantium. <laughs> Chunky adamantium at, boy. Thrown at you. Yeah, it's, it's really good. So obviously it slots really well with these characters because they're larger sizes and they want to get in the fight and pounce and do damage. So it's good. If you have the room, I think you're going to take it. If you have Sabretooth and Wolverine in your 10 cards, you're actively pursuing both of these. Well, absolutely. And I was just thinking about while we were talking about Wolverine, how he and Sabretooth kind of were built to be on a team together. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. And they're pretty different, too. They are very different. They make up for each other's weaknesses. Similar thematically, yes. It's very interesting. Well, let's close out this 
Healing Factor Mini Affiliation Tactics Cards Talk, Chris, with the second and last card right now for the Healing Factor characters. It is Exceptional Healing with an X. Exceptional. Unaffiliated. It's reactive. When an allied character with the Healing Factor superpower would be damaged by an enemy effect, it may spend three power to play this card. Reduce the amount of the damage suffered down to one. This is Odin's Blessing, which is the best Asgardian card, but just for healing factor characters in an auto include in my wolverine <laughs> scott power list. distribution scott leadership list that's auto true. include card i would counter you there and say if that happened in that dream scenario yes wolverine would still get the eight power from doing the eight damage or whatever but if he if he was attacked he's only getting one power right because you're reducing it down to one it's just to keep him on the board right. for one more turn for a battery turn that is yes or to negate an, an extraordinarily good role Right, which is exactly why you take this. I, I love this card, Chris. It didn't make me an Omnis's cut, but it came close with just Wolverine. If you take Sabretooth and Wolverine team, you take this. You just do. Oh, this is Odin's Blessing. Like When you take Thor and Valkyrie, you take Odin's Blessing. You just take it because guaranteeing they're around for one more turn is just huge. You know the damage is coming through and you say, oh, Valkyrie needs four to be dazed. Four is coming through. I'm taking that down to one. And she's getting one more activation before she's dazed again. It's really nice. These are cool cards. We've also got to mention the one-two punch reprint with Wolverine and Sabretooth fighting a Sentinel on it. Once again, thank you, Atomic Mass, for some reprints of Corset cards, getting more cards to players' hands, but also new that's art. A great move. And yeah, doing like a second edition type art. We didn't even talk about advanced cool. R&D on our Beast episode, Chris. It's Beast reading a, a scientific book upside down. You know, the first advanced R&D was Shuri. So this is science characters like science things i'm a huge fan i love the new art when it lowers the barrier of entry for the game too just by by getting those out there and yes you could buy beast now and not shuri to get that card if you really want right and i am all for the point of entry being uh, as low as possible yeah and these are these are cards that we've seen a lot too so like advanced r&d like being in another place is really nice but yeah i'm a big fan of logan i'm excited to get him on the table more i love his kind of high risk high reward backside versus his kind of like super stable tanky front side i really like that chris but also on his backside you know he can't be staggered there's balancing acts here that are really interesting to think about he's a positional character you know he's a positional player's dream Ominous and I were talking about like he really fits in Storm's team well because the cover and just the the hop is nice. The Storm hop is what we're calling it, you know. Moving him around more freely seems good. But, you know, medium moves fine. It's just not right when a character that only has a 2 and a 3 range. That's all he has. And he is a 4 cost. And, you know, this is something I, I think that caught you off guard initially, Chris. You were thinking he might be a 3 or something. But I just think he's too heroic of a character. He's too impactful on the battlefield where they had to make him in line with the characters we see at that four threat cost with their impact on the battlefield. Cause you know, we, we've already talked about the threes in this game are kind of the, the standard units that do standard things. And then you get these four five, sixes. They're starting to do some more impactful. You need them all though. You need them all. Me and Omnis made a list of mainly threes. And I like that too. I still really like my three threat Wolverine idea, but I am not, I don't know. It's probably just because I, it was my idea. Let's be honest. Well, and this makes it more balanced because in that scenario, you have to be like, zero mystic you know and he have to yeah. be like you know his defenses just have to be abysmal for him to at least do a reasonable amount would of damage. he be less impactful and i completely understand wanting a character as popular as wolverine to be an impactful character it makes perfect sense i'm not mad about it 
this character seems really rewarding to the experienced MCP player and also the casual new MCP player. He's fun, he's tanky, he has good attacks. And in the right hands, he can be really impactful. He can feel oppressive, Chris, if he keeps healing over and over again and you can't kill him. Like That can feel really rough. So it's pretty interesting. I can't wait to get him more on the table. We will bring him up again, guys. So stay tuned for like part two of the strategy talk with our Sabretooth episode because we've got a lot to say with them together in conjunction. It's just a little tease. You have to save it. Fury's Finest is supported by our wonderful patrons. You can become a Fury's Finest patron by going to patreon.com slash Fury's Finest. Follow us on twitch.tv slash Fury's Finest, and you can follow the show on social media, Twitter at Fury's Finest Cast, and Facebook and Instagram at Fury's Finest. Email us at Fury's Finest at gmail.com, and leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. We've talked about it so many times. We'll keep talking about it. If you can't support the show through Patreon, as long as you subscribe to our feed, listen to our show, and you can give us a review on Apple Podcasts, those things help us out so much. Thank you. Thanks to Approaching Nirvana for our intro and outro music. And like Jesse was saying, please rate, review, and subscribe. It does really help and i'm sure you guys are sick of hearing that you can find us on social media you can find me on twitter instagram facebook at jesse aiken that's j-e-s-s-e-e-a-k-i-n check out my two star wars podcasts project starhawk all about star wars squadrons and most importantly lately the canon cantina a star wars show all about canon and legends and of course lately we've been talking about none other than the mandalorian we have to it's the best show on television probably true right now i'm a fan so chris where can the people find you find me on twitter at chris bruffett c-h-r-i-s-b-r-u-f-f-e-t-t that's it this is a fun episode bub <laughs> that's a dad joke there all right thanks for listening true believers bub. Bub.